Hello and welcome to the Cumberland Podcast. My name is Chris Fleming. I'm the Adult Ministries Coordinator for the Ministry Council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And I haven't done a podcast in a while because we've been busy bees. Uh, We've been working on a program for churches to help implement new ministries and to understand their neighborhood makeup and how to connect with their neighborhood. It's going to be called Engage. Uh, We've been working on a Lilly Grant application, hopefully, We'll know here in a couple months whether we've gotten a million dollars, a million dollar grant to implement that program. Either way, we're going to implement the program, but with a million dollars, it'll it'll certainly go a lot, long way in, in helping this program become everything that we think that it can be and a help to other churches. Uh, what I want to talk about in this podcast today is the encounter. Uh, there's many people in our churches that use the encounter, but we're looking to expand the base of the encounter and to get it introduced into local churches again in in more of a way than it has been in in recent years. The genesis of this was a a motion that was uh, voted on at the 188th General Assembly. The motion read, It's a motion made to amend Recommendation 3 that the 188th General Assembly assign a committee to work with the Discipleship Ministry Team in developing and conducting a census-slash-survey disseminated through the stated clerks of each presbytery, and the motion passed. So, the motion did not have anything really specific, so I had to do a little bit, little bit of digging, and I did figure out what the purpose of the motion was. Uh, the motion did come from Arkansas Presbytery, and so when I reached out to folks in Arkansas Presbytery, here's what I got. First, that there was a question about the doctrinal standards from some of the issues of the encounter. Second, Uh, There's consistency issues from lesson to lesson. Number three, how many churches were using the encounter? Number four, what types of groups were using the encounter? Number five, why or why not a church uses the encounter? And six, is there a way to make the encounter a better resource for a broader portion of our church? So we created a survey, and I personally went to three different presbyteries, attended 12 different Sunday school classes throughout the denomination, over four or five different presbyteries, and I just talked with a lot of people. As of now, I've talked with over 120 people that uh, reach about, I don't know, 18 presbyteries, maybe 16 presbyteries. So anyway, uh, here's what we came up with. I'll talk about these results a little bit more in depth, but Uh, The top results are this. Number one, people really don't hate the encounter. Sometimes there's a perception that the encounter is just a a resource that people use and nobody really likes it, but that's not true. The the encounter is passionately used um, among our churches. Now, the base is is shrinking uh, a little bit, but on the whole, when I talk to most people, it's not that they hate the encounter or think that um, it's not a good resource. It's just there's other resources that they want to use. And then the second then was consistency issues. So the most repeated comment that I received from people is that there was no consistency in the encounter. And by consistency, I mean to say that it's not only the theological leanings of each writer, but also in the styles of writers. Right, So I've said some people are John MacArthur, some people are Fred Craddock. And so when you have this broad sweep of style and theology, theology uh, you, you do have a, a broad swing in consistency. Another, one, another uh, important area that was brought up was the discussion questions 
uh, were generally well received. Some people dropped the encounter because they said the discussion questions weren't interesting or challenging enough for the class. They didn't spur on enough deep conversation. Fourth, and this is where the encounter is probably being hurt the most, is that there's simply a changing of Christian education. So in our churches, the small group mentality is one a day. So relatively few of our churches have structured their uh, church education traditionally anymore. They're expanding into small groups. So when it comes to Christian education, the emphasis has been on the home meeting. And in turn, that has caused a need for freedom of study to choose different topics. So some months they may want to do a study on the book of Psalms. Then they might want to do a life application study about parenting. So there's a waning interest in the dated week-to-week model of Christian curriculum. And, and I get that. And we can address that in Christian education in general. But uh, so far as the encounter is concerned, it's a, it's a hard model. It's a harder model to sell, especially to a younger generation. Uh, the fifth comment that I got basic comment was that the encounter itself had a dated feel. Uh, not as in dated week to week, but it just doesn't have a modern layout. Uh, its format is something that feels like it's from the 90s. Uh, the attention spans, the graphic designs, and methods of distribution, print versus digital, these kinds of things, have, have not, we haven't used well for the encounter. The encounter is a block of words, and that is hard for people sometimes to, to go from page to page to page. Uh, the layout's a little bit spotty. Uh, it, it does not scream read me. And then finally, the usage. The, the When I ask people how they use the encounter, the encounter is used as a traditional Sunday school resource uh, that meet on Sunday mornings. It's not really being used as a small group, group resource, and it's used almost exclusively by an older adult Sunday school class. However, I'll say this. Um, the encounter is being used by more than 10% of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, uh, but it's mostly older adults. There's not a lot of youth or young adults using the encounter. But it is safe to assume that the majority of adults, 35 and older, in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church have or at one time have used the encounter as a means of Christian education. So that's kind of the, the broad uh, findings that I found. I will uh, go into a little bit more uh, what, uh, what I found out because it is... It is interesting. The top options aside from the encounter uh, was by far David C. Cook. They have standard uh, lesson commentary and then they also have scripture press. This is by far the largest competitor that we have. There are some classes using some Lifeway material, mostly Bible Explorer, some other things. Then you have group publishing. Fourth, I'd say the fourth alternative resource would be just using the Bible where a Sunday school teacher just takes up uh, whatever book and, and goes through it without a lesson guide. Uh, there are some churches that use Feasting on the Word and the Present Word Commentary uh, lessons. Those are from the Presbyterian, the uh, Westminster uh, Publishing House. And then that's about it uh, for that. Some of the reasons why people are not using the encounter, and these are documented. Number one, for those people who have chosen chose not to use the encounter, it's because of a liberal perception. All right. So, for people who have put the encounter down, it's because they believe there's a liberal perception within the lessons. Uh, the second most commented reason for not using the encounter was that it just wasn't deep enough. There was too much story or illustration or or things, but it just didn't connect with the biblical 
teachings like it needed to be, which leads to the third. Uh, there needs to be more biblical teaching, less on the uh, social commentary. Fourth, I've already said this, formatted or dated feel. Five, consistency. The next would be there was not enough CP in it. There wasn't enough Cumberland Presbyterian. So, so people wanted to see our denominational teaching tool connected with the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, whether that be the Confession of Faith or specific Cumberland Presbyterian teaching. Uh, finally, the last two was they just wanted to use a different material, and then the perception is that it was for an older generation. And for the reasons why people use the encounter, you could probably already get this. Number one, it's because it's the denominational publication, and number two, it's because we always have good responses, of course. Now, I did have also some people say it's because there was a personal connection with the writer of the encounter, so they used it. And then there were two elders in different churches that responded that the class purposely chose to use the encounter, not for a standing order, but just for one, just for one quarter, because they found that either they liked the writer or it would be an interesting study. And so, the classes and groups that are using the encounter—I've already said this—is uh, that the encounter is being used as a senior adult class. And if it's not strictly a senior adult class, it's because the church only has one class where there might be a mix of ages from 25 or 30 to, you know, 80-something, 90-something. There were four respondents that uh, told me that the women's group at their church used the encounter as like a CPW book or curriculum that they use when they gather together. There was one outlier. One pastor said the encounter was used with the teenagers, but that was the only incident of that that I found. Now, suggestions that we had uh, kind of mimic reasons why people don't use the encounter, but here are some suggestions. Number one is be more or less liberal and be more biblical. Uh, change the formatting. In other words, get the dated vibe out of there. Younger adults just don't like the feel of it when they open it up. It just doesn't seem like anything else that they read or uh, interests them. Better marketing or branding was the third. Fourth, better discussion questions. Five, better leader resources. Uh, six better writers, but that you know that's usually connected with number one. There's a also a comment to two comments to use multimedia. No, I'm still trying to figure that one out. Just overall Christian education within the Carmel Presbyterian Church. One of the questions was uh, to uh, explore what types of resources the church would be interested in. Uh, so I asked the question of these 120 so people: What is most important to you in a Bible study? Uh, the first answer was biblical content. They wanted an exegetical lesson, so that was uh, the highest response. The second was life application. So once you get the biblical content, people want to say, okay, how do we use this? Uh, next was spiritual development. These are things like uh, prayer life, uh, fasting, um, you know, the, the work of the soul, so to speak, spiritual disciplines. Next was theology, and, and then the final large answer, I guess I should say, would be doctrinal emphasis. Um, so then I asked what types of uh, what types of studies would help in Christian education in your church. Uh, the number one answer was study on the confession of faith. We were working on that. The second was a uh, were studies on spiritual developments or spiritual disciplines. Next was the membership, a membership class or basics of the faith. Next was uh, practical, things like marriage studies or financial studies or you know, these kinds of topical type things. Next was Bible and biblical characters. 
we had a healthy generation of people say that we need to move to video or multimedia type type lessons, which we do. Um, still working on that. And then finally, the the bigger bit of the big answers was intergenerational types of studies would help. That could include like a one room schoolhouse type thing where everybody can be involved. I'm assuming that's for our uh, smaller churches. But to get very specific about the encounter, taking all this information that I had received, starting in September 2020, the encounter will have a new format, also a new guideline for lesson writing. And so what's going to end up happening is the hope is that the formatting changes, while it doesn't bring us into the current century or the current uh, different ways like multimedia, digital, you know, mostly digital presentation or multimedia presentation, it does allow for a cleaner look and a more modernized layout that can help reading and discussion. Uh, along with formatting changes, again, there's new guidelines for the lessons. We took those guidelines directly out of the Confession of Faith. So if you have a Confession of Faith, uh, you can go to uh, 1.07, and it says this, In order to understand God's Word, spoken and through Scripture, persons must have the illumination of God's own Spirit. Moreover, they should study the writings of the Bible in their historical settings, compare Scripture with Scripture, listen to the witness of the church through the centuries, and to share insight with others in the covenant community. So when we've redone this encounter, one of the things that we're going to keep is that the lessons will still be written by Cumberland Presbyterians, elders or um, preachers or people within the church that have qualifications to write. Uh, and so it will be Cumberland Presbyterian for Cumberland Presbyterian. Uh, and the lessons will still have discussion questions for the class, but the structure will be changed. Currently, we have more of a free flow where it's up to the writer to decide where discussion questions go and where subheadings start and these kinds of things. Uh, to try to address the consistency issue and the biblical, more biblical content and also the setting it with the Cumberland Presbyterian expectations, um, we changed the five subheadings to these. First, you'll have an introduction to the lesson. And this is a straight, straight up discussion type introduction. It does not necessarily have something to do explicitly with the scripture, but it does have to do with the topic that the scripture or the principle with the scripture, which the scripture is trying to, uh, to address. So you'll have an introduction, about 300 words, a little more, a little less, depending on how that is. The next subheading will be exploring the scripture. And the point of this is that every single Bible passage has an historical and contextual setting with which it's written, right? So the writer will then have to do the work of saying, here's where this scripture fits within the historical and contextual historical setting of, of time, but it's also the contextual setting of the scriptures. Where does this story fit with the ultimate story of God's redemption? So 500 to 600 words will go into setting the historical setting. And then next, after that's set, the third section will be digging deeper, which is what we're calling comparing Scripture with Scripture. Uh, when we read and study the Scripture, there was an Old Testament lesson for an Old Testament people. What was the principle of that? What was God trying to say to the people he first spoke it to? And where is it attested to in other Scriptures? So what our focus is is to say, here's the principle, here's how it works out in the rest of Scripture. And then fourth, when you take this historical and contextual setting, you see the biblical principle for the original people, and, let, and subheading four is learning from the scripture, 
listening to the witness of the church, we'll understand how the church has historically taken that Old Testament principle and applied it to both the New Testament people and to us as a, a contemporary people. And then finally, the fifth subheading will be applying the scripture, sharing insights in the covenant community. And what we're trying to do here is, as Cumberland Presbyterian people, how are we living out the principle that was once preached to the Old Testament believers, to the New Testament believers, to us today, and then how will we respond? So we're trying to hit head, heart, and hands. What am I supposed to know? What am I supposed to feel? What am I supposed to do? Every lesson will revolve around these subheadings, and so this is going to hopefully create a greater consistency and continuity from quarter to quarter, providing biblical context and content for the Christian education of our churches. We've spent a lot of time gathering the input from users and previous writers of the encounter, and we're continuing to make the encounter the best Christian resource for our adults in the church. Now, the most significant change will of the encounter will come from the type of student books that we have. We're no longer going to be publishing the 9 by 7 regular print books. All encounter student books are going to be in an 85 by 11 page format. And the reason for this change is to accommodate the formatting changes and also be efficient with the cost associated with the production of the encounter. All right, so the font then is going to be uniform and it's going to be a 13.5 point font, which is a large print that kind of combines the giant print that we have right now in the in in our we call it large print, but it's actually technically a giant print font. The font that we're using is a clear reading readable read, clear reading font, which means uh, I've tested this out with folks who use the uh, the large print right now. They can still read it, but it also allows for that extra space to do the changes that we're trying to do. The other change that's coming with the encounter is that we're switching from the United Bible Society's cycle, seven-year cycle of scriptures, and for at least four years, we're going to uh, use the narrative lectionary. And the narrative lectionary is a relatively new lectionary. There's about, I don't know, 1,400 churches or so that are using the narrative lectionary, and it's a four-year cycle of readings. And it, it uh, instead of like year one, two, and three like we have in the Revised Common Lectionary, uh, the four years is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it follows very heavily and very thoroughly one gospel throughout the, throughout the year. So from September through May, the texts are broke up to show the biblical story of redemption from creation through the early church. The texts show the breadth and the variety of voices within Scripture and invite people to hear the stories of Abraham and Sarah, Moses and the prophets, Jesus and Paul, by being exposed to these different voices uh, within Scripture enriches learning and learning and a life of faith. So the texts include the major episodes in Scriptures. They're arranged in a narrative sequence to help people see Scripture as a story that has coherence and a dynamic movement. So from September to mid-December, uh, the texts begin with the early chapters of Genesis with creation, and they move through the stories like the Exodus and and the people rebelling with the golden calf, onto the prophets, onto the new covenant. And then in December, it switches to Christmas uh, to where you have a sustained reading of the gospel. You have the birth of Christ and the different events in each respective gospel. After Easter, then, the text follows Acts and, and Paul in the missionary journeys. Then the summertime, we take a break from that narrative lectionary and then we pick what we're going to study for that 
May, June, and July, or June, July, and August. Um, this summer we're going to be doing work in the Psalms. So we'll be able to pick and choose a biblical book to go all the way through. And in, do, in so doing so, uh, we learn a little bit more than we get from the seven-year cycle uh, from the United Bible Society. The reason why we're going to try to switch to the narrative lectionary for these four years is because there's a coherence to it. By the time you get done with this four-year cycle of uh, the narrative lectionary, you will know the biblical story. You'll know Jesus from the four different Gospels, and you'll be able to connect the life of Jesus with the life of the Old Testament, and you'll also be able to see how the life of Jesus influences us as believers in, the, in this contemporary age. There is power in the story of God's redemptive plan in Jesus Christ. God's story is our story, and Scripture reveals God's acts of love in Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing, is that we'll understand the comprehensive and coherency of the story. Second, God's story of redemption gives us a framework to live out our beliefs and understand our role in the story of God's people. The Holy Spirit still lives, and the Holy Spirit is still forming and shaping the body of Christ, and we're still called to do great works. And so when we understand God's story of redemption in a, in a broad take, then we understand where our beliefs, why things are right, why things are wrong, why we do things we do, and so on and so forth. Third is that understanding God's story strengthen our, strengthens our biblical imagination and our language of faith. We have, a in our society, are losing a biblical vocabulary. We're losing a biblical imagination, and everything is becoming completely practical. But the one thing that the Scripture teaches us is that we have a God that miraculously changes things. We see spiritually, we could see spiritually, things that we, we don't see with our eyes because we've been uh, conditioned to... Only trust the things we can see, taste, or touch, or spend. Uh, but understanding God's story and the miracles that happened and the, and the way God's formed and shaped the church opens our imagination to the possibilities of what God still has for us to do. And then fourth is the narrative lectionary provides flexibility in teaching and learning. All of these lessons are fairly familiar, or if they're not familiar for your class because our classes are becoming less biblically literate, there's still a great amount of content uh, available to help a teacher in doing a lesson. Uh, there's In these lessons you can find multimedia, uh, you can find wealth of commentaries and so on and so forth. So if a teacher wants to put in that extra effort, then they'll, they'll be able to have plenty of resources to turn to by using this, by using the narrative lectionary. With that said, there's also going to be a change to the Leader's Guide. Um, the Leader's Guide will contain suggested songs for worship, both um, contemporary songs and traditional hymns. It will also have what we call a pathway of learning. We do know that in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church that the Sunday school teacher is often the chief cook and bottle washer, so to speak. Um, they might have to come into the class 10 or 15 minutes late because they're practicing the piano or they have to leave 10 or 15 minutes early because they've got to meet with some group that's going to be doing some presentation in the service. And so to acknowledge that, each um, week there'll be a suggested 30-minute lesson uh, outlined to say, here's what you can do to tackle this in 30 minutes. Um, obviously, the regular lesson would go about 55 minutes long, uh, and you can customize it any way you want to, but uh, we just feel like each lesson will have a uh, this is the important part, the really important part of the study that you need to focus on if you only have 30 minutes to do so. 
So that's kind of what we've got going on in the uh, in the encounter. I will also say that uh, the encounter price is going to go up seventy four cents uh, to four no seventy cents to four ninety five a book. And I do want to address that to make sure that everybody completely understands uh, why we're doing that. The encounter went up, I think, a quarter, maybe less, back in 2010. The problem with that is, is that it was not sufficient enough to offset the cost of what we do. The encounter is a very large book, and we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of expenses, and expenses have gone up tremendously. Um, I will say, uh, because it is important. Even at the current rate that we've set this at $4.95, the encounter is still the cheapest national publication you can buy. So that means every student in your church can you spend less than $20 a year uh, for their education for the entire year. Just as a little bit of for instance, uh, I will say that um, a little bit of different pricings for different different pricings for different groups. Standard Publishing, uh, David C. Cook, so Standard Commentary and Scripture Press are both probably the greatest alternatives, like I've said, uh, for the encounter. Standard Publishing is $5.95 a book. Um, Scripture Press is $5.25 a book. Uh, Lifeway has something that some classes use, which is the Bible Explorer. It is $3.15 a book, but only contains six to seven lessons, five to seven lessons each book. So in order to do one quarter, you would still end up purchasing almost seven, eight dollars per quarter per student to use that book. And so uh, we still remain the cheapest uh, option, but I do believe through the writers, the writing guidelines, we're going to make this the best resource we possibly can. I'm going to have on here uh, on Facebook and different means a place to download a four lesson sample. You might have already seen it. Uh, but it's been worked on a little bit more. So um, I look forward to talking with you. My number is 615-424-8561. Also, you can reach me on an email at cfleming at cumberland.org. You can also just reach out on Facebook. Just find Chris Fleming. I'm the bald guy behind a pulpit if you look at the profile pictures. Um, I look forward to seeing the the reception of the church with this new encounter. If you've never used the encounter before, I do believe that this is a good time for you to start. Uh, this is a good resource, and um, and I look forward to serving you in other ways. So may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious towards you, and give you peace. Amen. <music>